Moment of Truth with Pastor Matt Shackelford is a ministry of Central Church in Collierville, Tennessee. Please visit us online at centralchurch.com. What does it take for guilty man to be made right with holy God? The Bible tells us all have sinned. We've all broken God's law and we all stand guilty. And God says that the wages of our sin is death. And you can't earn salvation. You can't bribe God with good works. So what do we do? This is the truth. There's only one way to be made right with God and it's a free gift. And the moment that you repent, the moment you place your faith that Jesus Christ has died on the cross for your sins, God will make you right with Him. He will wash you. He will make you white as snow. So moment of truth today, what will you do with Jesus? Life is hard. It's a lesson we learn from the moment we're born and continues to be taught to us throughout our lives. However, we are not without encouragement. The Bible gives us the tools we need to stay strong and move forward with determination. In today's episode, Pastor Matt continues his sermon entitled, Picturing Commitment, and shares four powerful reminders that help us endure and keep the gospel central. Let's turn to 2 Timothy, verses 8 through 14, and prepare for your moment of truth. Remember the power behind our service. Let's remember not only the picture of our Savior, let's remember the power behind our service. This one is so encouraging. Verse 9 says, For which I am suffering bound with chains as a criminal, but the word of God is not bound. Notice Paul acknowledges his obstacles. He's got some chains, some manacles on him. Paul must have suffered to a degree that you and I are unfamiliar with. Amen? I think that we're often very spoiled. I mean, I complain about the weather. I complain about sickness. I complain about traffic. I complain about burnt toast. Paul is in the Mamertine prison about to be beheaded. He's saying the gospel has not made things easy for me. And some of you will identify with that in various aspects of your life. It brings drama at work. It brings loss of income. It brings something of pain to your family. The gospel brings even rifts within your family. But notice, I want you to think about this as a point of application Within that area of difficulty, you have a great opportunity. You might even just write that word down, opportunity. Within the pain, you have opportunity. Sometimes God puts us in areas of difficulty so that you and I can shine very bright for the Lord Jesus Christ. 
Maybe it's a hospital bed and you're going to witness to those nurses and those doctors to show the power of God. Maybe it's a mental prison or mistreatment. Just remember, brother or sister, if you grumble, if you complain, you are losing the opportunity of God that he's giving you to shine bright for the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul is in prison, but he's taking this as an opportunity to glorify God. I'm suffering. I'm bound with chains as a criminal. But notice, we have a power that overcomes obstacles. Look at verse 9. The Word of God is not bound. It's unstoppable. Would you just think about this? You can bind up God's messengers. You can mistreat them. You can kill them. You can abuse them. But you cannot stop the Word of God. This is so encouraging. There are so many stories I have on this. One point. Back in the 1930s, Stalin confiscated every Bible in Moscow. Every one of them. Hid them, took them away, stored them in a warehouse. And then when communism fell, which by the way, communism always falls eventually. And just throwing that out there. But, you're welcome. Stalin confiscated all of those Bibles. And when communism finally fell, there were missionaries who went into that city. And they wanted to distribute those Bibles out again. So they went to the warehouse. One of the young men knew where they were stored, and they went to this warehouse, and they found thousands and thousands and thousands of Bibles in crates. And they hired a couple of guys off the street who needed work. One of the guys they hired was a hardened atheist. He had heard the gospel his whole life, but he had never really accepted it. In fact, he was hostile toward it, but he needed a job. So he took the job, and he said, yeah, I'll help you move the Bibles. He goes in with the missionaries, and after a while, they can't find the guy. They said, where'd he go off to? And they found him off in the corner, clenching a Bible. It just so happens that the first Bible he picked up looked a little familiar, and he opened it up, and it was his grandmother's Bible, signed with her signature, his grandmother, his grandmother who had prayed for him year after year after year who had preached the gospel to him and it just so happened that was the one he picked up the word of god is what unbound unstoppable i have so many stories like this the guy who immediately comes to mind is john bunyan you remember him he wrote the second best-selling book of all time pilgrim's progress they put him in jail what does he do he writes a spiritual work that helps generations of people They put him in jail to stop him from preaching. Now get this. There was an event where he's in jail. He's being discouraged from preaching. And as he's in jail, his congregation comes outside of the wall. They're on this side of the wall. He's on this side of the wall. He'll yell over to them, are you ready? They say, yes, we're ready. And he preaches to them over the wall. And they have church. The word of God is unstoppable. It is unbound. You cannot stop it. Paul experienced this. Remember he wrote to the Philippians? Remember what he said? He said that the saints in Caesar's household greet you. Remember he was chained to a guard at four-hour intervals. You think it's bad being chained to a Roman? Imagine being a Roman chained to Paul. And he evangelizes them. 
so much to the point that Caesar's household has a church plant in the middle of it. This is a great day. The word of God is not bound. You know, persecution may come to America. We may have those same types of events come to our shores where Bibles are taken up, where politicians make it very difficult on those who are following Christ. That may come, but it won't work. You know why? Because the Word of God is unbound. Oh, friends, remember this. What an encouragement whenever you experience rejection. Don't be discouraged with that family member who rejects the gospel. Don't be defeated when your coworkers reject you. Don't be depressed when your spouse rejects the gospel. The word of God is not bound. God's word will not return void. It is unbound. So let's remember our Savior. Let's remember the power of the gospel. God's word that is unbound. Number three, let's remember the people ready for salvation. This is a great motivation. The people ready for salvation. It says in verse 10, therefore I endure everything for the sake of the elect that they also may obtain the salvation that is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. Now, I realize that some of you, when we read a passage like this, you get uneasily. That word, the elect, it has that wick on it like a stick of TNT. And some of you, the hair on the back of your neck is sort of standing up even right now. But let's at least own the word and understand the topic together. Paul uses this word all the time And God has his people that he chooses, and yet we choose him as the Holy Spirit regenerates our heart. And there's some mystery there that we don't fully grasp, but let's understand Paul's logic. Because Jesus Christ has his people scattered out there, lost sheep, who he has also paid for by his blood, therefore God's Saving purposes cannot fail. That is encouraging. So let this fuel you to keep going. Just dwell on this. God has his people out there ready for salvation. We don't know who they are, but I will endure anything to see them come to the salvation I enjoy. Look at verse 10. That they, they may also obtain the salvation that is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. In other words, let your love for people be the fuel that keeps you enduring. It's about people. A while back, I went to dinner with my evangelist friend, Ray Comfort, at Living Waters. And over dinner, I shared with him, Ray, what's been some of your training points for people to share the gospel when they're afraid? And he looked at me and said, Matt, it's not about fear. It's not a lack of fear. He said, Matt, It's a lack of love. When there is love, love casts out fear. The church needs more love. And friends, you will endure rejection. You will endure difficult situations in your family and in your work as you think about the people that need salvation. Let's remember the picture of our Savior. Unstoppable, alive, living, truly God, truly man, alive. 
Let's remember the power behind our service. Let's remember the people ready for salvation, that there are fields white unto harvest. And we'll close with this. Let's lastly remember the promise of our security. This is why you and I can endure frightening situations, hard conversations, impossible relationships, difficult marriages, because ultimately the Christian is safe. This last section is admittedly one of the most beautiful sections in the Bible. It is an axiomatic truth. It is poetry. It is a song, actually. I think this is an early church hymn, verse 11 through 13. It's creedal. It's axiomatic. It's confessional. It's something the early church must have sang. Look at verse 11. It says, the saying is trustworthy. For if we have died with him, we will also live with him. If we endure, we will also reign with him. If we deny him, he will also deny us. If we are faithless, he remains faithful, for he cannot deny himself. Let me just give you three thoughts on your security. Number one, if we suffer with Christ, we will reign with him. Just write down the word identification. That's what we're talking about here. What happens to the master happens to the follower. It's identification. Write down Galatians 2.20. I've been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. What happens to the master happens to the follower. When he died, I died. When he was seated in heaven, I was seated with him. I'm safe today. Just knowing that I'm secure makes all of my problems seem pretty small. Number two, notice that this passage in verse 12 exposes the fakers, fake Christianity. Suffering does that. It exposes false Christianity, cultural Christianity. It says if we deny him, he will also deny us. Within the people of God, there are those scattered in who are not truly in vital relationship with God. This is the people of Matthew 10, 33. Whoever denies me before men, I will deny them before the Father. This is false converts. Fake Christians don't tend to take suffering well. They're exposed. They fold. They have no security. There's no pursuit of God. The ceremony is revealed. But notice verse 13. This is powerful. Notice the security of the true believer. If we are faithless, He remains faithful. For He cannot deny Himself. Oh, friends, this is such a good thought. This is saying, just be motivated by this thought. Even if you fail, and don't we fail? Aren't we often like Peter? Aren't we often that way when God says, go share the gospel with your coworker, and you say, not today, Lord? Don't we do that? Lord, I'm too afraid. That's unloving. That's a retreat from the soldier ministry we've been given. But even then, God will be faithful to never fail you. He will woo you back. He will restore you. He will dust you off. He will start you again on a new day. That's the kind of God we serve. The God of Peter. The Peter who denied Christ. But the Lord knows that Peter loved Him. He loved Christ. He was real. He had a relationship with Christ. 
Listen to me, Jesus will never look at the failing Christian and say, I've had enough with you. I'm just going to be done. He doesn't do that. He will draw you back to himself. That's what Jesus did for Peter in John's gospel. Do you remember that moment? At the end of John's gospel, he cooks the fish over the charcoal fire and he says, Peter, do you love me? Yes, Lord. Peter, do you love me? Yes, Lord. Peter, do you love me? Lord, you know that I love you. Then get up, let's go. Get up, you failed. But I'm committed to you. I'm committed to you. God is so merciful. He will be faithful to who he is. This is the God of the Davids. This is the God of Abraham. I mean, I look over the characters of the Old Testament and I'm amazed that God didn't say, I'm done with you guys. Abraham, are you kidding me? This guy gave away his wife twice. Now, I've done some bad things. Ashley's mom is right down here. She would kill me. I've never said to another guy, you can have my wife. That's crazy. God is faithful. He's the God of the Abrahams. He's the God of the Davids. He's the God of Jacobs. Now, some of you might say, well, doesn't that thinking push us the opposite way? Like, I don't have to endure. God's just going to be faithful no matter what. No. The true believer doesn't think that way. The true believer will say, look at the mercy of God. What a promise by a kind God. Because of who he is, I will get up. I will dust myself off today. I will endure. That's how we keep going. He's faithful. How do we apply this? I want to give you three words and we're done. First, the word courage. I want you to leave this place with courage today. Some of you are headed to dangerous places. Relationships can be broken. People can be offended. It can be depressing, but let the memory of your living Savior, the unstoppable Word of God, give you courage as you go to hard places this week. We can have courage because God's people are ready and waiting. We can have courage because God's power, the Word of God, is unbound. We can have courage because Jesus Christ is in heaven interceding for you right now. The second word I want you to write down is the word rise. Don't wallow in your failures. Rise. It's time to get up. You serve the God of David. You serve the God of Jacob. You serve the God of Abraham. And God has promised his faithfulness to you. He will restore you when you fail. Now get up and get back to work. Rise. Stop living in shame. And the last word I want to give you is the word repent. This passage reminds us that there are some in the church who are not genuinely saved. I believe in the security of the believer, but I also believe in the insecurity of the make-believer, the pretender, the one who knows they do not truly have a relationship to the Lord Jesus Christ. And this is one of the constant themes of the New Testament, the lost believer. <laughs> Jesus will say on that day, I never knew you. I never knew you. And many will say, Lord, Lord. Question is, is that true of you? 
today. That you've walked the path of Christianity. You've taken on the culture of Christianity, but you don't know the Lord Jesus Christ. That's the real question for all of us. If that's you, this is the gospel. God declares that all have sinned. All have fallen short of the glory of God. We've all missed the mark and all of us are guilty and we're all deserving of the wrath of God. But Jesus Christ died on the cross to make payment for your sins so that if you would look on Him and believe and turn from your sin, God would save you. And He'd do that for you today. He'd wash away every sin you've ever committed by the blood of His perfect Son, Jesus Christ, the sacrifice for sin. You don't have to give an offering to accept it. You don't have to do good works to receive it. You have to believe. You've got to repent and put your faith in Jesus Christ. Several years ago, there was a Bible-translating couple with Wycliffe, Bruce and Jan Benson. They were driving down the mountainside in the Peruvian Andes along with their 14-year-old son. At some point, they came face-to-face with a a truckload of terrorists. And uh, the terrorists all wielded weapons and pointed the guns at them. They were part of a well-known murderous group called the Shining Path. They took them hostage, took all their equipment, took all of their technology, took their vehicle, held them at gunpoint. And Jan thought to herself, this is the end. We're going to die on the mission field. This is it. They're going to kill us and leave us by the roadside. She began to remember to herself, the Lord inhabits the praises of her people. So she started singing. Of all things to do at that time, she started singing. And the song she sang was, You Are My Hiding Place. You know the song, You Are My Hiding Place. You always fill my heart with songs of deliverance. Whenever I am afraid, I will trust in you. She felt in that moment that she was the only person alive. Nothing, not even death, could remove her from the presence of God. Great moment. Unbelievably, the rebels released that family and their family escaped and they got back to the city where they were staying and working on a Bible translator. Get this, a year later, a year later, Jan gets a phone call and it's one of the guys who kidnapped them. They said, we set up your projector and we watched the Jesus film. And this massive crowd out of this cult came to know the Lord Jesus Christ. And we want you to come back and translate the Bible into our language because we've become followers of Jesus Christ. And they did. Oh, friends, be encouraged as we leave this place. If God is for us, who can be against us? Nobody. So let's remember the picture of our unstoppable Savior. Let's remember the power of the gospel. Let's remember the people ready to be saved. And let's remember our security. We trust that today's message has been a challenge and an encouragement to you. Jesus tells us that truth always demands a response. So he calls us to be doers of his word, not hearers only. So this is your moment of truth. How is God calling you to respond? If you would like to watch or listen to this message, please visit online at centralchurch.com. We'd also like to meet you in person. 
Worship with us at 9 or 11 a.m. every Sunday at Central Church. If you're unable to attend in person, we also have services streaming live where you can engage and chat with other believers throughout the service. Visit centralchurch.com live to find out more. If you would like to donate to support this program and God's word being sent out, please mail a gift or you can call us at 866-TRUTH-TN and someone will be standing by to receive your credit card donation. We are located at 2005 Winchester Boulevard in Collierville, Tennessee. We can't wait to explore God's truths with you next week. Hi, Pastor Matt here with a quick encouragement, just a moment of truth. James 1.22 says, Be doers of the word and not hearers only. You know, this is a foundational verse for a moment of truth. Every week, we want to inspire you not only to listen to God's word, but to act on it. Before the next school year begins, Central Church is in partnership with another local church in Collierville. We're collecting backpacks and school supplies for people who are in need. We want every student in our community to have the supplies that they need to excel during this school year. This is also a great opportunity for the gospel to be shared. Every backpack that we hand out is a chance for us to share the love of Christ with someone else. So won't you join us in praying for this event? Won't you also consider providing for some of the needed supplies to our students? If you'd like more information on this, you can visit us at centralchurch.com backpack. Moment of Truth is sponsored by Central Church.